<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Today's guest is the lovely Carly Stein, founder and CEO of Beekeepers Natural. After years of living with an autoimmune condition that didn't allow her to take most antibiotics and over-the-counter medicines, Carly found herself frustrated by the chronic colds and symptoms she seemed to be unable to treat. But in 2012, everything changed. While she was studying abroad in Italy, she discovered propolis, an all-natural ingredient made by bees with hundreds of immune-boosting elements. She quickly recognized the power of this natural ingredient and set out to develop her own formula with the help and guidance of leading bee research institutions. In 2017, Carly traded in her corporate career at Goldman Sachs to dedicate her life to full-time beekeeping and founded Beekeepers Naturals in an effort to bring propolis to the masses in sustainable and accessible ways. She has since been committed to working exclusively with sustainable small-scale apiaries and prioritizing pesticide-free health and wellness products. Above all else, Carly works tirelessly to raise awareness and create a better environment for our world's most important pollinators, the bees. She has been featured in Allure and Vogue magazines, along with numerous podcast appearances to share the importance of bees in our daily lives. Recognized as a game-changing entrepreneur in 2019's Forbes 30 Under 30 list, she continues to strive to innovate everyday health issues and transform proactive wellness. On this episode of Work Party, I talk with Carly about the power of holistic medicine, what inspired her to disrupt the CPG space, why she believes in radical transparency and leading with vulnerability, and how she is revolutionizing the wellness industry one natural remedy at a time. So let's get into it. So welcome, Carly, to Work Party. Your background is super interesting from the point of view of how you personally embarked on your own health journey before coming up with your solution and launching your company. But can you take us a little bit back to the start of that experience of addressing your own wellness journey while also thinking this might be a business at the same time? Yeah. So it started off, I mean, I struggled with my health for years. I'm autoimmune and a nice, fun sort of side thing that came along with that was my struggle with tonsillitis. Because I'm autoimmune, I can't take antibiotics. So the traditional way of solving that problem was just not accessible for me. So basically I would have tonsillitis for like weeks at a time. 
which was really uncomfortable and definitely affected my life. And I saw every specialist and you name it. And I ultimately just couldn't find resolution. And it was a really frustrating experience. And that pushed me to explore the world of natural wellness from pretty early on. And I found a lot of cool stuff and a lot of stuff that didn't deliver on results. And so I was just kind of frustrated with that whole model and personally really wanted something different and spent my life doing crazy amounts of research on everything I put in my body just because I had to, and I still have to. And so I sort of built this skill set around research, understanding how to read research, understanding what to look for long before I really knew what I was doing. And it wasn't until I was in college and I got super sick when I was abroad that I was introduced to propolis. So I was abroad. I got very, very sick. I went into a pharmacy and spoke to a pharmacist and she gave me propolis. And I had heard of honey before, but I had never heard of things like propolis or royal jelly or pollen. But she walked me through it. I started using it and I made a full recovery in five days, which had never happened before. And so that was my first moment where I was like, this works. Why has no one given this to me in 21 years? Why have I not seen this in North America? And it was you know, so simple and obvious when I spoke to somebody here. So that was my first moment. And then it was kind of after that, I just went deep down the research rabbit hole when it comes to all of these products from the hive. And I saw that there was a lot of published science. There's a lot of clinical studies that have been run by from accredited institutions. You know, we know about the effects of propolis on the immune system. We know about its effects on inflammation. We know about the neurological effects of royal jelly. So I found all of this research and I was like, okay, this stuff is mainstream in Europe, but there's really not a brand bringing it to the market in North America. So that was my first sort of experience that made me feel like this should exist. And this has really helped me. I love that. And you were working at the time as a trader for Goldman Sachs. So obviously a very corporate career track and then made a complete you know, U-turn by starting your own company. But how yeah. was your experience at Goldman Sachs? How did that inform your you know, experience as an entrepreneur? And when did you feel the confidence to take the leap? Yeah. So I did not take a direct path at all to starting my business. I had that moment of insight when I was in college, went on from there to start beekeeping, which I fell madly in love with. And I ended up in finance through the research route. So I was, you know, I thought I was going to graduate and become a cancer researcher. I ended up doing pharmaceutical research at a hedge fund. And then I was recruited by Goldman Sachs. So I joined Goldman Sachs in 2014. And I had a really amazing experience in a lot of ways and a really challenging experience that ultimately led me to the career I have today. And so it was amazing in a lot of ways in that I really, I further honed my research skills, especially when looking at biotech stocks. So, you know, having to understand the dynamics of a study and a published and, you know, a drug and what's being published and what's patent pending on a whole different level when you're placing crazy financial bets, that was like unbelievable training for me. And I bring a lot of that into what I do today, which, you know, I'm very grateful for. And also just work ethic training. I mean, it was intense. I was working, you know, as a trader, you have some pretty crazy hours, especially, I mean, any analyst in the finance world, at least when I was there, had some pretty crazy hours, but it was really intense. And it was also challenging for me because, and every team's different and I definitely don't want to generalize, but 
I was on a team that really wasn't right for me, just not the right alignment of values. I was the only female on the team. I was the only analyst on the team. So I was like, sort of the, you know, throw shit at this person, get everything done for everyone type of role, which was totally fine. It was just, you know, I was working with people who were kind of came up through the eighties in the finance world and had a different perspective and way of working with people. And it was a pretty aggressive environment. It was an environment that I don't think would fly today. And it was really tough. And I was, you know, between pulling all-nighters and working with people who were unbelievably aggressive and in some cases kind of abusive, I ended up really struggling with anxiety. And I had this experience where I was really unhappy and at the same time felt hooked because I have a job at Goldman Sachs and I'm successful when my parents talk about me to their friends and you know have a job that's like sort of socially rewarded but I was really unhappy I wasn't doing something that I personally care about what I was doing wasn't really mission driven and again I wasn't working with any like-minded individuals at that time so I I was really struggling and I grappled with the decision of leaving for like a year before I actually pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. And so that was really challenging. And I just share that because I think you hear of a lot of people who have this like awesome insight and see an opportunity and dive into their business. And I found B products in 2012. I started beekeeping in 2012. I didn't start my company until 2017. And, you know, I had different jobs and different careers and different experiences leading up to that. And all of them informed how I work today, how my team functions, the things that I value and the things that I bring to my company. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great insight to share because I think people ask, you know, when can I take the leap? When should I take the leap? And there's no right answer, really. It really depends on your, you know, career path and what you need to kind of get started. But I'm fascinated that you became a beekeeper. I think that's so cool. What are some of your, you know, top fun facts or tips or whatever when it comes to beekeeping, like things that were interesting to find out? Okay. Well, when I started beekeeping, I just became, I mean, I became and am very obsessed with pesticides. I'm like a huge advocate for changing pesticide regulation in the United States and internationally. But it started from a place of my own challenge because I have a very severe reaction to pesticides. I have to be really careful with the foods I ingest. And when I came back to North America after Europe, I started buying bee products and I would find these like beautiful organic products at the farmer's market. And I had a really severe allergic reaction. And at the time I was a TA for my chemistry class. So the first, before I started beekeeping, the first thing I did was run a toxicity panel on these products that I purchased to be like, what the heck? I Am I all of a sudden allergic to bee products? And I realized there were trace amounts of neonicotinoid pesticides and you know glyphosate in the product, even though it was organic. And so that was kind of the catalyst for me being like, okay, I obviously have to do this myself. So I have to figure out how to, keep bees and run product quality. So I had that experience, which was just kind of enlightening. And then that pushed me to look at the entire pesticide landscape. And by the time I actually started beekeeping, I was really, I had read several books on the subject and I was really focused on sustainable beekeeping. So that was like a really amazing experience. And then learning as well that bees pollinate one third of the food supply and that working with them is really important and that we can do, you know, regenerative practices, regenerative beekeeping and actually support and bolster bee populations. So that was probably my biggest learning. And then I feel like it's really, for me, it's really meditative. People might think that's weird because the bees can sting you, but something kind of cool about the bees, one of the ways they communicate is through scent, through pheromones. 
So if you're calm, if you're like in a chill state, it's not going to rile them up. And so in a lot of ways, when I'm beekeeping, I'm aware of that. And I'm like, okay, well, if I don't want to get stung, I better keep it together and be super calm. And I just think that's kind of a a very interesting thing. And it, it changes my dynamic with the bees. I love that. No, that's such great advice. And I didn't know if that was true when everyone's like act calm, but like now (laughs) that makes sense. And I also love that you just like run your own toxicity panel. You're like, what's up? I'm going to check in on this. So I I totally love that. So now let's talk about beekeepers natural. So you go through this phase. You're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start my own company. Like what was the first product that you guys launched and how have you guys evolved the brand since then? So my first product, I have it right here. looks very different today than it did when we brought it to market but it's the propolis spray. So propolis was the first thing in the hive based medicinal category that I used that really changed my health. It's something I use every single day and I still have my tonsils. I haven't had tonsillitis since 2012. And yeah, it's just, it's just really changed the way my immune system operates. So propolis is my favorite product. It's the product that I launched the company with. And when I launched the company, so, I mean, I, you know, continue to have a non-linear experience. So I left Goldman end of 2016, launched the company in 2017, and I was literally standing at farmers markets and with like a cardboard box. And so I was doing that for like the first little while, bootstrapping the business. And that was an unbelievable experience because I kind of got real-time product feedback and I got to really just connect with my customer base. And that's something that's still really important to us today. But the propolis was really interesting because at that time, I think a lot of our demographic, I was, you know, between New York and Toronto. And so it was a lot of like young parents and young professionals, and they were all using propolis to support their immune health or reduce inflammation. It was kind of one of those two things. But I saw a lot of people who have Lyme disease or like some other type of illness really benefiting from propolis. And yeah, I was just getting an unbelievable amount of feedback. So propolis is the product that I just, it's, it's the first thing I give to people. It's something that has really powerful effects, is you know very simple and safe to use. What propolis actually is, because a lot of people think it's a honey derivative, but it's not. So Honey is the bee's carbs. It's their food. It's their energy source. It comes from floral nectars. You know how like if you cut open a tree, sap will drip out? That's the immuno compounds of the tree. So propolis, the bees are literally collecting plant and tree resins. So think of like sap, mixing it with their enzymes. And then they make this amber colored substance called propolis that is used to literally line and protect the hive. So for the hive, it's antiviral, antifungal, antimicrobial, antibacterial, it's kind of like the immune system of the hive. And for humans, it's a great way to just sort of support your system, support your overall immunity and protect yourself against any kind of environmental triggers. So that's always the product I start with and the one that started the company. Tetris was a fun game a lot of us played as kids, but as an adult, Calendar Tetris is the most frustrating game you can play with your meetings, events and appointments. Just trying to find a time when you're free to fit everything in. When it comes to doctor's appointments, sometimes finding that perfect time for you and the doctor could be in like three months. But who has that much time to wait? With ZocDoc, booking your appointments with a doctor that suits your needs, caters to your schedules, is in your network and in your neighborhood is easy. No one knows what you're looking for in a doctor more than you, and no one is going to get better at giving you the right tools to find the best doctor than ZocDoc. 
ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, or are available when you need them the most. No matter what your healthcare needs are, on ZocDoc, you can find specialists of any kind. So whether you're trying to straighten your teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. And if you're worried about switching to a new doctor without a referral, there is no need to worry. ZocDoc allows you to find and review local doctors. So you can click on a doctor, it'll show you verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments, just like you. And now when you walk into that doctor's office, you'll know what to expect and you'll get to see someone in your network who gets you. The same way you use Uber or Lyft for a ride or Postmates or DoorDash for ordering in, ZocDoc's mobile app is just as easy and revolutionizing the way we approach our healthcare. Just open the app and search, find, and book your doctor within a few taps. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor, and I know you'll absolutely love it once you realize how much time and energy you save in the process. Go to ZocDoc.com to find the doctor that's great for you, book an appointment in person or remotely that works with your schedule. Go to ZocDoc.com party and download the ZocDoc app for free and start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash party. Hey guys, I'm Lindsay Carter, the founder of Set Active, and this is my new podcast, Ready, Set, Spill. Finding the balance between being a mom, running a business, and still maintaining somewhat of a social life is a constant work in progress. We live in a time where social media glamorizes everything that we do, but life isn't always a perfectly curated Instagram post. And that's coming from someone who built their business on a perfectly curated Instagram feed. Nothing here is off limits, so get ready, get set, because it's time to spill. mentioned you are all about like sustainability top of the line products natural better for you type things but we also know that comes with like a price tag and it obviously can be you know pricier to do that so how are you able to maintain your premium positioning and pricing without you know deterring the customers and then obviously now becoming such a global brand so it is really hard it's become harder everyone's seeing the inflationary situation but we have a commitment to accessibility. So a big part of our mission is democratizing wellness. And that means, you know, not just having great products for wealthy individuals in LA and New York, but having products at varying price points. And we really make an effort. We do the best that we can to make products at varying price points. Yes, we have a $40 honey. We also have, you know, $14.99 for our propolis spray. And as we continue building products, we work very, very hard to make them accessible and not sacrifice on quality testing, any of that. Because that is our number one value is bringing things to market that are efficacious, that work, and that are rooted in science. But the goal really is to empower people with the tools they need to feel their best. And then also, you know, looking at the medicine cabinet, there's a lot of stuff that we rely on, whether it's habit forming, you know, allergy medication that contains steroids or cough syrup that contains a numbing agent. So, you know, I sit down with my team and I I look at these products and I say, how can we do this better? How can we not compromise on the effect, but create an ingredient profile that's clean, sustainable, our customers feel comfortable with, safe for gluten-free, autoimmune, people like me who are allergic to everything. So that's a kind of a long-winded way of saying we have a major commitment to product quality. And that's like etched into the fibers of our brand. 
And another central part of our mission is making these things accessible, bringing them to the mainstream, making sure everyone who needs these has them. And so we work really, really hard to build a price point that isn't a deterrent, but it's a challenge. I mean, we invest so much in product testing. Like it's, you know, some of our products, it's like three years of work before we bring them to the market because we put them through so much testing and we really want to make sure that something is safe, effective. You know, we've done our own studies, that sort of thing. So it's an ongoing challenge, but we, I feel like we've found a really great structure for problem solving within that arena. And, you know, we continue to have a really close relationship with our customer base who inform a lot of what we're building. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, making over the medicine cabinet is an expensive and big undertaking, but it's something that hasn't really been done. And it's exciting to see, you know, these types of products come to life. We've all heard of clean beauty and the trend of clean beauty, but cleaner medicine and and things like that really hasn't taken the front seat. So it's awesome what you're doing. And as you mentioned, you self-funded for a long time. You're bootstrapping at the farmer's markets, doing all that. And then you eventually took the route of raising venture capital and raised over $3.5 million in funding. So tell us a little bit about like the decision-making process behind raising money. You obviously worked at Goldman, so you were in that financial world. But how did you go about raising money and finding investors? And was that challenging, you know, as you sort of were going into those rooms? Yeah. So we've actually raised over 15 million at this point. But okay, so I had a little bit of a leg up when I started the company because I was working at Goldman Sachs. So a lot of my clients were people who had hedge funds. And, you know, I worked really closely with these people. So I basically went to a few of my clients who I had close relationships and, you know, not trying to raise money, but asking what I, or sorry, telling them what I was planning on doing next. And I basically got feedback that they loved the concept. They think I'm a workaholic and they'd love to be able to invest. And so my seed round was a lot of my former clients, which was really helpful. So I think the biggest thing that I should actually call out is that when I did my seed round, I had been bootstrapping for a good six months. And at that point, we had over $600,000 in sales. So we had real sales. And yes, it was me at the farmer's market and it was literally a one-woman show, but I had meaningful sales. I had proven that there's product market fit, at least with a small demographic. And I think that has always really carried me. So I've always gone into fundraising with something to show for it. And you know, it's it's interesting because you see a lot of companies that are pre-revenue and they raise on concept and they get like these really amazing, crazy valuations. And that is a whole strategy in and of itself. For me, I guess I fall on the more conservative side. I've always been fundamental focused. And I think that goes back to starting my career in the finance world and having to spend so much time looking at the balance sheet of different companies and reviewing them. And so when I went in you know, my very first pitch, I had a full business plan. I had full projections. I had all of this stuff. And I was a trader. You know, I wasn't in investment banking. So I had to do a lot of self-learning. And that's something that I've always been really good about. I'm not the most intelligent person in the room, but I put in a hell of a lot of effort. I mean, whether it's reading books on venture capital or, you know, listening to podcasts, like I I have always been a really major self-learner. And I think that is what has allowed me to be successful when it goes, when I, when it comes to fundraising. And that's what I would kind of encourage other people to do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're a natural born researcher, so you like to get all the information. So 
that's definitely important as you know you're going out to raise money and i think that's an amazing tip you know as someone who is a venture capitalist now i think going out into the world and having that data to showcase the demand i mean 600,000 is an amazing number but even 50,000 100,000 in sales will give you a leg up in all of your negotiations as you're going in to raise money versus raising on the idea or concept again both are different strategies and take different forms but i do think you have a little bit more of the upper hand once you have that traction to show forth so i think that's great advice yeah so obviously on paper we can all agree beekeepers naturals is a massive success but you know how has success been for you like what does a successful company look like for you as a, as a leader yeah so success for me has a lot to do with my team and my customers at the end of the day, you know, we're making health and wellness products, we're making medicine, we're making tools for individuals. So if we're not serving our customers, helping them solve their own problems, we're not doing a good job. So again, having that customer connection pretty early into my journey, I created a customer love team. And so it was like customer support. And I was on that team, of course. I was on, I've was i been on every team at this company, but pretty early into the company, I did that. And I think some of my investors were like, you guys are pretty small to have people focused on the customer. And I countered that with like, this is part of our mission. You know, this, this is a brand that's actually focused on how people feel and helping people solve their own challenges that in many cases are chronic and ongoing. And so really investing in that, in the communication, understanding our customers, building that feedback loop has been sent to everything we do. And then my team. I mean, the most... It's so interesting because I'm a really introverted person and I've always been kind of like a lone wolf. I think that's why I like doing research so much because it's kind of like just me. And there's nothing that brings me more joy than connecting with my team and you know growing with them. And so that's been just such a rewarding experience. And I get to work with such talented individuals and build something with them. And, you know, we're a benefit corp, we're a mission-driven company. So everyone on my team is very much here, not just to build a cool company, but to have real impact. And so being able to be a part of that is um, my favorite thing. Yeah, I love that. And obviously now you've been an entrepreneur for some time and, you know, we're kind of living in this like glorified entrepreneurship, everyone on Instagram, absolutely killing it. But like, running a company, building a business, especially a business that requires education and, and is a new category in many ways. You know, what's been the most unexpected part of being an entrepreneur? Or what have been some of the curveballs that you've been thrown? Okay. So I'm so over the like glorification of entrepreneurship. It's so insane. I love being an entrepreneur, but it is unbelievably challenging. It's really draining and it's not for everyone. It's incredible, but it's really not for everyone. And I think we get this idea that like when I'm an entrepreneur and running my own business, it's going to be easy. And that's not the case at all. You know, my business is my baby. It's it's it consumes so much of my energy and I wouldn't have it any other way, but it's it's definitely a lot to take on. I mean, I remember when I worked at Goldman or when I was at the hedge fund, I had a pretty demanding job. I worked really long hours and, you know, I was doing a lot of high stakes decision making, but I could switch off when I was on vacation. I could switch off for me now. And I'm, I'm working on this with my coach and, you know, doing the right therapy, but, but it's really hard to switch off. I mean, my company is, it exists and it's a part of me and very hard for me to create balance. And so I think that, and I, I hope I'm not, you know, 
pushing anyone away from entrepreneurship because it is also the most rewarding, exciting, challenging, incredible thing I've ever done. But it is not all like cool floral arrangements and fun offices and like ping pong tables at all. It's really messy. And I think the thing that people don't really talk about when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a founder, is that you are the catch-all. If somebody on your team leaves, you're doing their job tomorrow. If somebody's out for a sick day, you're doing... It doesn't matter what the job is, I'm doing it. If you know someone on my customer response team is out on Black Friday and it's like you know, 1am and we're having something break, I am the one fixing it. And, you know, maybe that's a uh, issue with me. Maybe I'm sharing more about my psychology than anything else, but I think it's really hard to pull yourself out out of it. And when you create something like you ultimately are responsible for it. And so it's more of an undertaking than I think the world of Instagram sort of paints it to be. Totally. Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's also like, it's okay if you don't want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be someone's number two or be part of a business or a startup. You know, I think that's totally a win as well. But yeah, no, doing all the jobs all the time, the buck stops with you. You're the person putting out all the fires 24 seven. So looking back now, you know, at your career, what advice would you have given yourself like day one of starting your business? Yeah. So I think, and this kind of goes into what I just said, but appreciating and cultivating resilience. I think I spent a lot of time with self-doubt. Am I the right person to do this job? Am I good enough for this? And you know, the all the imposter syndrome stuff. And really what I've realized is building a great company, and I think entrepreneurship generally is all about strengthening the muscle of resilience and getting really good at being bad at something and really comfortable learning new things. And so I think I I would have just found that a lot earlier and more easily versus all of the judgment I placed on myself. Cause that's kind of the cheat code is just, you know, anytime you're having a struggle challenge, you feel like you suck at something. This is an amazing opportunity to cultivate resilience and to learn something new and strengthen that muscle. Love it. Amazing advice. So what's next for you and beekeepers naturals? Yeah. So We're continuing to grow. We have a lot of incredible things we're working on. We're really excited about continuing to bring science-based solutions to the market. That's really what we're focused on. We just rolled out Allergy and our gut health product is like my number one obsession. And so we're really excited about all of the innovation that that we're building right now. Amazing. I mean, I have crazy allergies, so I'm so excited to try your products. But let's wrap with some sentence finishers. If I had more hours in the day, I would meditate. That's always my excuse that I'm too busy to meditate, which is like the opposite of what it should be. (laughs) My go-to Beekeepers Naturals product is tie between my propolis throat spray and my gut health. Love it. My favorite productivity tool is My favorite productivity tool is... I'm really into Trello right now. Hmm. That's a good one. My best career advice in two words or less is... Follow fear. I love that. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you, Carly. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you and Beekeepers Naturals? Yes. Beekeepers underscore naturals on Instagram. We're all across social media. My Instagram is stein.carly. Check out our website, beekeepersnaturals.com. And we love to hear from you. So hit us up. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. 
For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.